Hello there, my name's Neil David and I'm the host of Eurograps Express, the podcast exclusively dedicated to the wrestling of Europe. If it's wrestling and it happens in Europe and it's good, we talk about it. Whether it's RevPro, Progress, WXW, Passion Pro, Pro Wrestling Chaos, Pro Wrestling North, we don't care, we talk about them all. If it's good and it's exciting, I want to share it with you. We're on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Check us out on the feed. Check us out on Twitter at Eurograps EXP. And join us for chat about European wrestling and a little bit of chat about cheese. Hopefully see you there. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey there, Thunder Buddies and Travellers Down Thunder Road. It's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network and powered by a large man I'm your host, your sidecar on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined as I am every week by my faithful co-host, Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, it's time for, we are restricting ourselves on this show as old men, but I think it's time for quarterly weather talk. Fierce fucking cold snap coming in. <laughs> Tis for your call. You're sitting there with your with your beanie hat on. Um, yeah. Well, no, but maybe it's not a beanie hat. Maybe it's a monkey hat. Oh, it is. Yeah. No, it is. It's beanie, is it? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't see. I never not quite know what the difference is between a beanie and a monkey hat. Yeah. Is that the one that like bubbles the, up a bit? Yeah. At the top? That, that you have to pull up and. Oh yeah. yeah see, yeah, a beanie yeah, to me is that's... just one one. Yeah, one bit. I, I'm a I'm a beanie guy. Yeah, for um, the last couple, since I started growing my hair, definitely because it's like, it's the easy way to keep it out of my face when the weather is <laughs> cold without tying it up. Um, although I am, and I I would like people um to keep an eye to our Twitter account at WCW Thunderpod because I think, I think I might be getting this hair cut by Christmas, oh. and I am going, I am going to raise money for it. Um. So I'm yeah I'm gonna try and do- Lucha Dave over here. Yeah, I'm gonna donate it to get wigs made um for kids. So um I've been planning to do it. That's why I grew my hair in the first place. Um and I've received final confirmation because everybody I've asked has given me a different answer on how long the hair needs to be before I get rid of it. So I got official word from the charity. I contacted the charity that I'll be donating it to, and they said it needs to be 14 inches in a ponytail. And I'm somewhere around 13 and three quarters of an inch at the moment. So I think by December, I'm, I'm looking at, I have a big work due uh, right before I finish for Christmas. And I'm thinking about getting it done there. 
Um, so yeah, that's that, that, and the beanies will definitely be needed then because it's supposedly going to be a cold winter here. And if I have no hair up on top anymore, it'll for be the odd first to, time in three to, years. It'll be odd to see you with the no hair again. Yeah. Which, like, um, it's funny the way memory works because, like, you and a lot of my friends, like, think it's weird now, even though I've only had this since yeah, 2021. Yeah. Like, like, we've only, what, we've met each other once since COVID in person. Yeah, and that's, like, the yeah. only time you've seen me in real life with long hair. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it is i will feel weird for me as well even though like you know 30 of my 34 years in the world i have been like shaved almost down to the scalp most of the time um but anyway we we move on um like i i I, like i mean there's there's no way there's no two ways about saying this this show can eat my whole ass i fucking hated it I hated this show so much. I want to dance around it a little bit longer and just wait because, like, when we get into it, like, I feel like the jovial spirit of talking to my friend Lee is going to go out the window in place of, like, fuck this company, fuck everything, fuck my idea for having this podcast, fuck everybody who encourages us to watch this shit. I'm not not even doing a bit. I've been so fucking grumpy today because I knew I had to come on and talk about the show. Yeah, I've had like a long day of work and compounded by the fact that instead of getting early nights the last couple of nights when I should, I've had to watch this show. And it's one of the rare ones now. I I often pride myself on usually, with rare exceptions, I watch these shows in a single sitting. Well, this was one of those exceptions, my friend. This, uh, I think, took three matches to break me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to come back last night and watch the remaining six Yep. Uh, and it was fucking desperately bad. But before we get into any of that, I'm just going to desperately claw out at an attempt to talk about anything else. Did you do anything interesting this week, pal? <laughs> no. <laughs> How would I have done God anything damn it. interesting? Make something up. No, <laughs> um, oh, not really. Um I genuinely can't think of what I've done the past week. That'll tell you how, how exciting things are in my life at the moment. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm off to Manchester next week, so that's exciting. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. You're you're making your, your first trip to a game at Old Trafford. Yeah, first, first Old Trafford trip with my lovely 10-year-old son for his birthday. Well, it's his birthday yeah. present. I mean, it's yeah. a present for myself, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's old enough now that birthday presents for him are a little bit for you, too, which is great. Yeah, actually, Jen said I walked into the sitting room the other night, and Jen was like, uh, I got your Christmas present. I was like, okay. Was like, I'm not telling you what it is, but it's kind of for both of us. I was like, great, uh, great, can't we? <laughs> perfect. <laughs> so you're saying it's not a bottle of whiskey? <laughs> no, what she's basically saying is it's not really for you, it's for me. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, my, gra- my granddad one Christmas decided it'd be really hilarious if he, uh, if he got my granny... Uh, a present but instead of like giving her actual present he very badly wrapped up the hoover we already had oh, and pretended like he was gifting her that and how that man remains married to this day I'll tell you it's a testament to true love because I would have fucking boiled him <laughs> in a pot with the potatoes that Christmas day I'd say he fucking got got an earful that's all I'll say this is a man, I know we've we've peered into the psyche of my grandfather on this show a couple of times before. Um, but, like, this is a man who routinely will buy cards at certain times of the year, hold on to them until it's unseasonable to deliver them, and then deliver them. 
So, like, for my birthday, which is in June, I will get a St. Patrick's Day card. <laughs> which, until he started doing this to me, did not know that that was a thing. That people had St. Patrick's Day cards. I'm pretty you sure I've an, seen them, yeah. You might get an Easter card for Christmas. You know, this this kind of thing. And when and did this start? Ah, uh, like... I don't know, he might have been doing it before I was born, for all I know. I try not to engage other people in our shared trauma in the family. <laughs> like, this is a guy, right, who, when, I, I think I've said on the, the show before I'm diabetic, um, mm. but when I was in hospital, when I found out I was diabetic, um, I kind of, I, I was sitting up in a ward where, it was a six-bed ward in the hospital, and everybody else in the ward who wasn't me was conservatively 4,000 years old. <laughs> right. My granddad came in and uh, decided it was open mic night at the improv. Oh, no. Uh, so the first thing he said, and I bear in mind, like, he thought he was saying this in a low voice, but he was bellowing these gags to himself. He looked around and said, oh, this is where they send all the mask cards. Uh, for those of you who don't know, who weren't raised in a predominantly Catholic country, mass cards are things you get for people who have recently died. Uh, kind of like a condolence sort of a, a gesture that you would go down to like the local parish centre and get a card basically saying, sorry for your loss, we're getting mass said for relative X uh, on your behalf. Uh, so that's that's what he said. Then he started like riffing on what diseases he thought the men around me had. None of which were very PC, I must say. Uh, about two days in, he came into me, and this is where he got banned uh, from coming into me for the other seven days I was in there because my granny was there and wouldn't tolerate that shit. So she was sitting there, and he walked in, looked at the fella that was kind of there was a fella who was like the other side of me to where he was standing who was, like, on a respirator most of the time that I was in there. And, like, I was genuinely anxious that I was going to see this very, very old man Die. pass away yeah. while I was there. And he just goes, Jesus, this fella's been circling the drain for ages, hasn't he? <laughs> Would he ever just get a move on? There's people looking for beds. Oh, my fucking God. And I need to say that after each one of these gags, he would pause for about four seconds, like, hold for applause. And then immediately piss himself laughing. I fucking love you about that so much. Yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god, that is there fucking was also glorious. Talk, him and him and my friend Paddy hatched a plan that when I moved, I moved from that ward to a four bed ward that day. Um, and they hatched an idea. My granny was gone down to put more money in the parking. That while she was gone, I was moved, and. My granddad Paddy decided that Paddy was going to stay behind in my old bed that was now empty. And when my granny came in, he was going to pound on the bed, go, He was so young! <laughs> I was like, Great, you're going to kill my grandmother. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, yeah, fucking brilliant. This is life. This is life. Actually, I, I do. Also, also, one more granddad thing is yeah, he, used to, uh, he used to think I was trying to take his cornflakes all the time. So um, he kept his cornflakes locked in his wardrobe and then would lock their bedroom door under the assumption that I was so fucking jonesing for a bowl of cornflakes I could break through up to two doors to get at them. <laughs> so what? like 
<laughs> he was so suspicious of me when he went to get his cereal. Instead of bringing the cornflakes down, he would take a bowl from the kitchen, go up, fill his cornflakes in his fucking bedroom like a sad old insane person, and then come downstairs. <laughs> he also wrote his name on his carton of milk in permanent marker to get separate milk. Could you imagine? Like, oh my god, your your grandmother must be a fucking saint. Oh I my god! Just, yeah, I, I think like it was. She'd long passed the point of like I'm just gonna have to do some things for an easier life here. I'm just not gonna question <laughs> these decisions. Like, did you actually take some of his conflicts that he came to this conclusion? Like, I was trying to think, like, I don't not like cornflakes. I enjoy cornflakes. But, like, I'm I, 99% of the time I'm having, like, a, a high-fiber cereal. I've always been, a like, a, a Shreddies or a Weedabix or a Shredded Wheat or a Bran Flakes guy. That's kind of my, I don't, like, I, I will have the odd bowl of cornflakes. I will have the odd Rice Krispies. But I don't really go far beyond that. Because it's, like, my, my main source of fiber is having something <laughs> like that. Um... So, like, maybe once or twice ever, it's not like I was some sort of cornflake guzzling maniac who left him without. That's what I can't understand. Like, how did your, your nanny not, like, go, you're being ridiculous? And... Yeah. Or just, like, you know, buy the bigger box of cornflakes. <laughs> oh, my God, what a man. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Um... <laughs> I, I actually I just want to say, it seems I mentioned that... Um, I'll be going to Manchester for the first time. Actually, last week, my mom sent me some photos of when I went to Wembley in 1994. Oh, oh your, your, your famed only other trip to London? Yeah. She actually wow. rooted out some of the She was looking for our photos or something. And uh, she came across some of when I went to the the original Wembley. And uh, hang on, I'll see if you can With see the this pillars. on the camera. Huh? With the big pillars. With yeah. the big pillars, yeah. I don't know if you can... Oh yeah, yeah, I can make that out. A very young. Jesus, were, were you ginger? No, I was just very freckly. Oh. <laughs> uh it's just a yeah, it's just that the light there made your hair look a bit ginger. Yeah, no. Like, oh, you can't you get that under wraps. Very freckly, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I think as we all were at that age, that's what happens to Irish skin when you get one good summer. I thought it erupts. I, I showed Connor the picture. I was like, "Do you know why I sat in front of the, the England number seven? I was like, is it David Beckham? I was like, "No, Connor, it was nineteen ninety four. It was not yeah. David Beckham. So it was Brian, <laughs> Brian Robson, that's why. <laughs> you should you should have given him credit for like giving you a couple of years of youth back there. Nah, he gets no credit for nah. anything. You're not having it. <laughs> Although you were like this, he did sit there like he likes to sit down in the evenings with me and watch YouTube or whatever. Mm. And uh, he's like, "Oh, can we watch this?" And it was a uh, Ronaldo Oh Phenomenal highlight video. Oh. Oh, like 20 minutes long one of the just one of the greats did i send you that photo i got a i, I saw his jersey when i was in the san zero oh no yeah oh man yeah that was the one like there was like diego maradona's uh napoli jersey was there batistuta's fiorentina jersey was there those were all really cool but the one that i just started like proper fangirling over was i saw ronaldo's inter jersey you know the one with the the horizontal gray and blue stripes that one connor has the knock you know the the, the knockoff jersey they brought a couple of years yeah. ago yeah. he he wears that one and everyone goes oh is that ronaldo jersey i uh the one i was you know disappointed not to see but i i, I guess i know like he wasn't a big enough star there for long enough was i was hoping to see an adriano 
jersey, <laughs> but I, I didn't get it. Love the Emperor. Love him. Uh, I think I've, I think the only person I've popped with that reference is Chris Damasetto, if he's listening to, to probably this him, him and Lazel. I've got him. Oh, I know. Jackie Lasers is loving that yeah. one. Um, yeah, basically, I have done that to pop the cast of The Furious. <laughs> um, but anyway, look, before we get into this absolutely diabolical show um, that can just eat a bag of dicks, um, let's go to Liam Malone because we are, it's, you know, would the kids say it's popping off over at the Patreon this month? <laughs> Is that what the kids would say? <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. If that, I don't think they're still saying that one. I don't know if it, they're saying that one or if you pay to join our Patreon, I'll stop saying it's lit. <laughs> or can you say is a, pa- a Patreon him? Oh, is page uh, the Patreon is him? Yeah. Yeah, possibly. That could be one. Anyway. I thought you were giving our Patreon pronouns there for a second. I was just like, I'm I'm on board with whatever you're doing here. <laughs> uh yeah, so last week on the Patreon we had what I think we would both agree was our favorite ever episode of the OT at the movies where we yes. covered the phenomenal they live guys. I don't know if you know this. They live is a very good motion picture. It's fucking great. It is. I genuinely, I'd rather sit down and watch that again right now than talk about yeah. this upcoming show. I've actually now gotten back into, I mentioned it on that show, but um, one of my favorite podcasts, blank check um i've started re-listening to their entire series on john carpenter and i am primed for i was gonna try squeeze it in tonight but i'm already tired um so i think i'm gonna wait till the weekend to properly enjoy a full screening of john carpenter's the thing which is one of my favorite movies of all time um yeah so that that was last week on the patreon and then this coming next week we will have a actually it's a double week next week isn't it is it next week? No, it's oh, um, it's the end of the month. Well, it is. Well, it is a double of. week because you're gonna you're gonna be yeah. getting um, you're the, gonna be getting uh, a free show and a paid show. Twenty sixth is the Thursday. We should have the regular Patreon uh, scheduled episode of a return to one of our favorite shows. It's rehash of the champions, and it'll be rehash number eight. Um, oh, obviously, yeah. as as Dave covered one um, episode while I was off the podcast during the summer. So we return to the NWA in 1989. And Dave, I have the card here in front of me. Are you aware of what this show is? Nope. Uh, okay, so I will tell you, first of all, commentary on this show is provided by Jim Ross and Jim Cornette. Okay, no Bob Coddle? No Bob Coddle. Bob Coddle is no okay. more. Okay. Well, I mean, he's still alive, but he's no more on this show. <laughs> I was like, Jesus, he has his demise. <laughs> so there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight matches on this show. That is an action-packed. Can I just say, they only have one match less than Road Wild, and I would bet it's of substantially better quality and is also an hour shorter. Yes. So I will run through the matches very quickly, just as a preview both for you and the listeners. So we've got a, a tag team match. The Samoan SWAT team, Fatu and Samu, with Paul E. Dangerously taking on the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering okay. in the opener. Okay. Uh, we got when, a sing- when you're opening at that level. we got a singles match. The Cuban Assassin versus the Z-Man. Not so good. Okay. Singles Tom's match. Tom's like, by the way, can, can I just say that Tom's like, the, maybe the greatest quote ever about dying WCW, where he says... <laughs> 
was. I can't remember how the line came up where he just basically said of the WCW crowds towards the end, a lot of fucking people dressed as chairs. Oh, yeah, there. that was him. That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another singles match. Sid Vicious with Dance Boyvy and Theodore Orlong taking on Ranger Ross. Then we have an NWA World Tag Team title match. The Fabulous Freebirds, the champions, Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes take on the Steiner Brothers who have Missy Hyatt and Robin Green in their corner. Um, then we have another singles match. Flying Brian takes on Normal, Norman the Lunatic. Okay. Uh, we got another singles match. Steve Williams, Dr. Death takes on Mike Rotunda. We got an NWA United States heavyweight title match. Lex Luger versus Tommy Rich. And then the main event, this is the one that I think is going to be fucking great. Uh, tag match. Ric Flair and Sting take on the JTEX Corporation. Now, I know NWA ninety day nine probably isn't your uh, your wheelhouse, but do you know who's in the JTEX Corporation? I absolutely do not. Well, it is managed by Gary Hart. Do you know what JTEX is, first of all? The only thing I could think of is does it involve Texas somehow? Yeah, Japan Texas Corporation is basically Japan, what it is. Japan Texas Corporation. Tremendous! It's scary hearts. It's it's like it, so. I so I'm assuming then that means Muda's involved. Yes, it's Muda and Dick Slater. <laughs> Dick Slater and yeah. Muda. Um, but like you know how in Die Hard it's like uh, the the Nagatomi 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 Plaza, and it's like you know all the, all these Japanese corporations are coming over and taking over. That's yeah, yeah. that was brought to wrestling in the year of 1989 with the JTX Corporation. That's, that's the vibe they're trying to bring. Yeah, I respect it. I respect it. They were off its time. I mean, you got to give them credit. Yeah. They were they were on the ball. Yeah. But yeah, no, so, that, that, that's the card. So that's something yeah. to look forward to. Yeah. So you're going to get that, and, and you're going to get yeah. yes, we've got um, on Halloween night posted for free on Patreon to give you a little bit of a sample behind the uh, the paywall. We are going to do our third annual Arquetteween. Uh, we are going to review Scream Three. Um, so that's going to be good. I think what I'll do is I'll leave it free for the week and then put it back behind the paywall. I think that's um, what you did last year, though. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I think, you know, give people a little sneaky peek of what we do. It is only five euro per month. And at this stage, we've been going for nearly a year and a half with most months three uh, pieces of audio so do that maths there that is a lot of bang for your buck for five europeans you're getting there uh plenty of stuff still to come uh, on the the road to christmas um and yeah just a bunch more dumb ideas for us to uh kind of uh, spread our wings and 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 get through certainly all substantially better than the show we're about to talk about <laughs> right shall we do it buddy let's go for Oh, God, have mercy on our souls. This is one where I wish we were still recording this when we were on lockdown because I could then drink alcohol at home knowing I didn't have to go to work in the morning. Genuinely, like, uh, I, my wife isn't here tonight and I'm looking after the kids. If she wasn't, if she was here, I would have so many drinks in front of me. This nearly rebroke me in the way that I think it was. I, I want to say, and maybe a listener will know better, especially if there's somebody who's uh, one of the ones who recently went through our back catalogue. There's an early episode, maybe five in, where we just started compulsively drinking every time we watched Thunder, because that's what we had to do for a while. Um, and that that 
period of the podcast lasted for for a while. It was a, a lot of lockdown. The initial lockdown was us having. I, I actually, drinks. now that I think about it, we were it was well before lockdown that we started doing that. I think it was just we were drinking more during lockdown. I think what would happen was I started cracking a drink to do the podcast after about episode five. But when lockdown happened, I was drinking as I was watching the shows and then drinking some more as we reviewed the shows. Well, what can you do? This is Road Wild 1999 from, of all places, would you believe, Sturgis, South Dakota, 14th of August 1999. This show... And this would like, <laughs> I know times have changed, but when you think about the pay-per-view market now, the idea that a show of this caliber got 235,000 buys wow. on pay-per-view. Okay. That is astonishing. Uh, it does not match up with its cage match rating, which is something I'm going to add for pay-per-views going forward. This has a cage match rating of 2.91. <laughs> and even that might be a bit generous. Uh, Lee, I did something a bit special for this show. Because um, it's hella bad. And I wanted to hear an explanation. I wanted to hear from the horse's mouth what the fuck was going on with this show. So for the first and only time in my life, I listened to elements of an episode of 83 Weeks. You did not. Good lord, is there few people on this earth more packed full of horse shit than Eric Bischoff. I can't believe you actually Let's just talk about this now. Have you ever listened to his podcast? No, never. But you have listened to him speak, big air quotes, candidly. Yes. About WCW in hindsight. Okay. This man is completely full of shit. Mm -hmm. Right? He is completely full of shit. And the worst thing, like, I mean, maybe not the worst thing about it. The worst thing about it is still him. But one of the worst things about the podcast is that he's sitting across from the most softball-y co-host in Conrad, who is never going to fucking challenge him on anything because he knows where his fucking butter, bread um, is buttered. Yeah, listen, I, I actually, you know what, I enjoy Jeff Jarrett's podcasts now and again. Like, when it has a subject that I'm interested in, I think Jeff Jarrett is very good. Yeah. The rest of Conrad's fucking shows can get in the fucking bin as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I listen. I remember listening to one... Because do you remember there was that little while before you went back to WWE where people were like, Pritchard's podcast is actually pretty Yeah, good. it was pretty... Yeah, it was decent because he didn't give a fuck. He thought he was never getting hired again. As soon as that happened, though, it was like mm-hmm. I listened to it at one episode and it was fucking high trash. Oh, he, he and, literally tried to go back on everything he said, yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the Bischoff experience on 83 Weeks. Like, you want to talk about one guy who struck gold once and has been dining off it for nearly 30 years? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy, not only was nothing his fault, like, it's so funny that he hates Russo now because the two of them, rhetorically, are identical. Oh, yeah. N- nothing was ever his fault. Stuff was conspiring against him. The only stuff he'll throw hands up and go, yeah, that was bad, is when it involves people he's not personally friends with and he doesn't mind burying. But it's still not his fault. It's more their fault, right? Um, The other thing about his podcast that is completely insufferable is his one-man war against Dave Meltzer. God. Good Lord, it's the most embarrassing shit in the world. Because... Not only 
is it really funny when like so the, like the first half of the show before they start talking about the pay-per-view is like them talking about the the news in WCW at the time and Conrad because Conrad reads the sheets so Conrad is pulling news from the torch he's pulling news from the observer on this one I didn't hear him pull anything from figure four but you know he's pulling from the, the sheets of the time anyway and um Anytime Conrad specifically mentions Dave Meltzer, he tries so hard, Eric, to discredit Dave and just disagree with whatever Dave has said. Anytime Conrad leaves Dave's name off or Eric didn't hear him say Dave's name or it's a Wade report, he'll go, yeah, yeah, that happened. You know, it's just, it's the most like... He'll be he'll get up on his high horse about how these sheet writers know nothing and then literally get onto the next news story that's also pulled from the same newsletter. He'll be like, Yeah, that happened. Um one and the other really funny thing about it is so he recorded this episode on Road Wild ninety nine four years ago, I think the YouTube okay. video said. So it's really funny the stuff he disputes about what Dave is saying. That now four years later we know matter of factly bishop was full of shit on so he opens up apropos of nothing it's not related to roll wild 99 but he starts talking about dave Meltzer, and um he's mentioning that uh oh yeah so I, this is how it comes up so the first thing conrad asks him is about the thing i think we mentioned it on the show when i was talking about excerpts from the observer about Rodman's pay and this this third Rodman match basically came along because he was really unhappy with his payday from 98 and to kind of make amends and forego any legal proceedings like right you give us one more match and we'll give you your million or whatever it was um so Bischoff attempts to dispute this um even though, like, it's it's pretty much like it's everybody knows Rodman was unhappy. And even when he's disputing it, he is kind of saying it did happen. But the way he tries to discredit Dave, rather than denying the story, right? Because, again, it's Dennis Rodman. Like, he's very liable to turn around and Dennis Rodman just say, yeah, that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and blow Bischoff out of the water because Rodman does not give a fuck. But, uh, yeah, Bischoff tries to discredit Dave by bringing up another story. Like, I'm going to give it, rather than talk about example A, I'm going to bring up example B as to why Dave Meltzer is full of shit. shit. And the example he brings up, and I just, where he's like, what? And this is, it's so scraping the bottom of the barrel as well for a thing Dave was wrong on, where he's just like, well, Dave Meltzer is the same guy who reported the dark side of the ring. We're going to do an episode on Chris Benoit and Nancy, which they are absolutely not going to do. Which I think less than one year after this was recorded, they did it as a two-parter. Yeah. And given how long they lead out on their research time and interviews, I would, I would nearly put money... Um, they were at least doing the research, if not already conducting interviews for that episode. Oh, easily, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely had to have been. So it, another report from Meltzer that he doesn't deny, he actually tries to defend, is there was a there was talk of uh, changing Disco Inferno's character around this time. Did you ever hear about this idea? Possibly, but go on. There was going to be a spot in a match where Disco fell on top of his head and got amnesia. Oh, God. Uh, and he said, I thought it would be funny and good. 
uh, thought that uh, Glenn Gilberti had the chops to pull off an amnesia gimmick. Um, God, there's also a, a very moron. there's also um, a really I, I think a very revealing thing about Eric Bischoff's character in this and what I like in spite of how he tries to make himself sound like he was kind of a heartless monster Okay, <laughs> like I think is the only way to put it so they talk about Fit Finley's leg break so at the time we'd kind of we we dove into it when he went out injured mm-hmm. but um, like it's a shattered leg it's torn tendons and his surgeons were saying he may never walk properly again let alone wrestle at this stage like at this point it's around the time he got surgery now at Road Wild there was genuine question marks over whether he'd ever ever be able to get back in a ring again what's under like the G questions over whether he'd need to get his leg amputated it was that badly destroyed yeah yeah, that was the rumor. That was the rumor. Um, and Conrad is like, is there substance to this? Like, what's the story? Do you remember, you know, talking to Fit about his injury at the time? And he goes, yeah, this happened. I remember. I like, he goes, so he was trying to explain how when his guys were injured, his roster, by the way, he never kept in touch with them. He'd get... um when the injury happened he'd be told such and such is injured they're going to be out as if to notify him that you can't book them for TV then it sounds like once a month he would get a medical update for who was on the injured roster and other other than that he didn't talk to them fucking hell the only time he talked to Fit Finley was like right when it happened and then right when he was ready to come back because I think he was back in power by then um, he also, in that same breath, tried to defend Conrad asks about, and I think we've probably all heard this uh, at one point or another if you've all followed WCW, uh, this idea that when guys get hurt, your pay got cut massively after 90 days. Okay. If you like if you were on huge guaranteed money, if you got injured after a 90 day period of being out, your pay got axed to almost nothing. Okay. I think I had heard um, that I went to went to like the minimum contract or whatever it was. It was something it was something along those lines, yeah. So he also defended himself then uh by patting himself on the back saying, "Well, I looked after Eddie Guerrero after his car accident." So one person yeah, one not only one person, but also given the issues that that man would face in the following years, you did a fucking stellar job of looking after mm-hmm. him, Eric. I'm not laying the blame at Eric Bischoff's feet, but that is, if I'm in Eric Bischoff's seat, that's not the one example I'm picking. Well, you know why he picked Eddie? Because everyone loves Eddie. Yeah, that that's genuine. The only reason he picked Eddie. Also, probably gun to his head, he wouldn't have the compassion to remember a lot of people who got badly injured on his watch. Yeah, that's true. Just, just, just speculating. Anyway, let's let's just get into this show and stop talking about that piece of shit for a little while. Although I will be heavily blaming him throughout this broadcast for what we had to witness. Uh, the open, I think, maybe a foreboding thing was that the pay per view opened with a Nash and Hogan video package that already wasn't nearly as good as the one from the Go Home Thunder. Oh, it was so fucking bad. They show a chair shot that Nash throws at a. Hogan and it misses by at least three inches like you see yeah. daylight on a video yeah. package 
Is it you know when Sean used to miss super kicks and WWE would do him a solid and edit it in such a way that it looked like you'd cleave the guy's head off. Yeah, like you'd shoot from behind or whatever. Yeah, no such favors being done in, in no. this video package. Uh, we do get a cool chopper shot of Sturgis from the hills, although it doesn't. It looks like a cool aerial shot, but then when you start to look in on the details, you realize that Sturgis just kind of looks like a bunch of warehouses in the middle of the in the middle of a forest. Doesn't really doesn't really look that appealing the more you think about it. Yeah, um, it's like what? Like I'm assuming Sturgis is still a thing. Yeah, I mean they make mention during the broadcast, uh, I think, uh, or maybe it was last year's one, where like most of the year, it's like a sleepy town of about ten thousand people, and then somewhere between a quarter and half a million people over the course of the Sturgis rally come through. Which has got to be like, I mean, great for local business, I imagine, and the meth trade. But, uh, like, it's got to be pretty fucking harrowing. Like, I'd be I'd be boarding up the house and moving out for a week every year if that was happening in my town. Well, I mean, there's meth always in your town. There is. There is. Now, we're, big, we're a big H-town, we are. <laughs> um, it's bizarre weather they've got. Like, and I always kind of like, I always admire the the chutzpah of uh, any wrestling promotion to do an outdoors show because you're really like putting yourself at the mercy of Mother Nature. Uh, it seemed one just based on guys getting blown up and being absolutely sweaty. It seemed like it was fucking roasting hot in yeah. Sturgis, and then on top of that, it was like nearly gale force winds because. I don't know if you noticed whenever pyro went off on this show, the speed at which the yeah. pyro clouds would whip off screen was like fucking hell. Yeah, no, it didn't look like the ideal conditions now to be either one still there for three hours watching this shit or wrestling in it. I forget that because the last one was a year ago in WCW time, which means nearly two years ago in our podcast time, I had forgotten how annoying the bike noises were. Yeah. I mean, within five minutes, Lee, I was over the sound of motorcycles revving. And this was a two-hour, 45-minute show. Yeah. Fuck, it was bad. <laughs> Fuck, it was bad. Do you know, uh, and I you know what? Say, like, I, I do enjoy... I think the look of the show is pretty good. I like yeah. the set they have, like, the the, the road. And, like, it, the kind of... It's like netting or something they have up over the stage. Like, it gives a cool little visual. It's different to anything else. It gives a cool little visual. Now, I don't know if it was worth the fact that all three years they did this, they fucking took a bath on this financially oh, yeah. because everyone went to it for free. Yeah, which is hilarious and, to me. And it would result in, particularly on this edition of Road Wild, which, funny enough, was the final one, um, a largely not fucked about it crowd. There's a few guys who get really good reactions on the show, and I think I've noted them. But there is long portions of this show where people are just sitting on their bikes fucking talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and not paying attention, just drinking their beer. Do you know what this was? This was Crown Jewel in 1999. Yeah. I kind of don't know if I... If I'm like... If I want to blame WCW for like, would you not have put on a better show to try and get this crowd animated? Or if I'm like... No, maybe in their position, I'd also take a punt on this show because, like, the bikers just aren't going to be interested in quality mat work or anything. So I don't know which way I fall down on that one. I mean, I'd always think of the audience at home that are paying for it. Yeah, 235,000 of them, my friend. And how many of them returned for Fall Brawl? 
Yeah. Uh, we shall find out. Uh, the lads, our commentary team today, uh, Tanae Shivani and Heenan, look fucking hilarious. Um, they've sure. all got black t-shirts on, and yeah. uh, Tony and Tanae have added shades and cool guy denim jackets to the look as well. Um, we're also being told that they are giving away a motorbike tonight. Now, I hadn't really heard the uh, this Iron Horse promotion or taken any notice of it uh, on previous Thunders, but seemingly they've been going around at all the TV recordings and selling basically raffle tickets to give away an Iron Horse motorbike. You would think you'd give it away at Sturgis, like where you would, one, get the fan on screen, and two, you have the highest chance of somebody actually enjoying getting a motorbike in a raffle. Yeah, make more but sense, anyway. wouldn't it? But yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but I guess then the other side of things is, well, it's Sturgis. Most people that are there already have a motorbike. Um, we then get uh, this was like very awkward so Br- Brain firstly I did appreciate him suggesting that Dennis Rodman had a limousine that was 63 blocks long Um, then early production snafu as just randomly and for no reason they just cut to a still shot of wilderness before this match starts don't know what that was about Um, our opening tag match sees the Deadpool consisting on this occasion of Shaggy 2 Dope, Vampiro, and Violent J versus the Filthy Animals, Eddie Guerrero, Kidman, and Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, were they introduced as the Filthy Animals? No. I don't think they were, were they? they? Yeah, they're just identified on, on cage matches, the Filthy Animals at this stage, because it is close to when they get that rebrand. Um, I did one thing that did make me laugh on the little bit of 83 weeks I listened to was... Um, there was a lot of talk about how like so Raven's obviously injured at this at this time which is why he's still hanging around but he's not really getting physically involved in the Deadpool matches while he's still there but uh, obviously it's coming up close to the time that he famously bounces like yeah I'd like to be released please yeah. um, <laughs> still, still the, best, the best story but uh, they're coming up on that and Conrad tries to ask him about it just like is it true that, that Scott Levy was unhappy at the time <laughs> and Eric Bischoff deadpans him with that guy was unhappy every day of his life <laughs> I was wrong. like you know I would absolutely buy that <laughs> just seeing him come down oh this miserable git um, something that I was blown away by if you want to take a a real positive from this show video package is a go-go yeah, the video package like for every match, was, uh, except one. But the, oh, there was there was one exception. I can't remember which one it was, but I wrote it down because I was just like, I was so loving the vibe of, like, not everything needs a big overly wrought video package, but everything got a video package that, to the audience at home, makes you understand why these two people are feuding, even if you're not super into the feud. It got you caught up and gave you context. So if maybe you were over at a mate's house watching a WCW pay-per-view and you didn't check in that often, you were now invested, you know? Mm. Um, So, like, I, I, you know, we do try on the the rare occasions where it is possible to give them credit. We do. Um, We got some new Deadpool music. um, And unsurprisingly, because I imagine there is a little bit of crossover, the Insane Clown Posse got a big reaction in Sturgis yeah there was definitely some juggalos in the crowd mm. um, uh, Penzer had an incredible outfit uh, he was wearing blue shades a leather waistcoat over a fairly like puffy ruffly shirt 
loved it. <laughs> you should tell him on Twitter. Uh, Tony immediately bored uh, in this match by trying to name all the brands of motorcycle he's heard of. Um, <laughs> Vampiro, right? I, see, I thought he so, did that because he mentioned Harley and then he was like, oh shit, an American Iron Horse. And Yamaha yeah, yeah, and yeah. Honda. Yeah, I think it was one of those other motorcycle brands are available sort yes. of situations. Like he realized Harley wasn't given the many sponsorship money and Iron Horse was. And he was like, ah, could be any bike. Uh, they even went down as far as Kawasaki, which I, mm-hmm. I did appreciate. Um, right. I'm going to throw this out as a question to you, right? Because I have a very, very narrow window of experience with this man. In ring, is Vampiro completely shite? Yeah. Because, like, my entire experience of Vampiro is this WCW run, which he doesn't, like, again, I think he has superstar presence in WCW. I would never take that away from him. The entrance, the look is great. He never really blows the doors off match-wise in WCW. And the only other time I've caught up with him was when he's completely washed and has the best Vampiro match I've ever seen, him and Penta in Lucha Underground. Um, To be fair, that's probably the best Vampiro match I've ever seen as well. So, Um, Yeah, yeah, no, I haven't seen a ton of his AAA work, but he was never known for being a worker. He's always just been... The, the star you know he has that presence yeah. um i think he ha- I, again going back in the fucking memory banks 20 odd years ago i think he has one or two good matches in wcw yeah i don't look so maybe i'm being hyperbolic when i say completely shite no, i think is, it's just that <laughs> do, you, do you know do you know what it is it's that thing of like it's probably unfair comparison because I was going to say, do you know the way Ken Kennedy had that thing of like loads of moves that most people take smooth as butter. He just seemed to take 20% more awkwardly than he had to. Yeah, they're not athletes. And like, yeah, he's just, it, 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 maybe that's the best way to put it is that like he comes across as somebody that wrestling does not come naturally to at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like he over or under thinks everything he has to do. The The reason I, I come up with this talking point here is because maybe a minute in, he walks into a sky-high powerbomb from Kidman. And, Lee, just for the, the record books, how would you take the bump off a of sky-high? Into a basic flatback. Would you take the bump for a sky high directly onto your arsehole? Uh, no, because that, that's not a good way to treat your tailbone. No. Uh, well, that's what Vampiro did here. <laughs> Again. Just took a nice sit here. Th- that's because he's terrified of selling for anybody. Yeah. Um, 
we could see the way they've positioned it this year, rather than see the scores and scores of bikers going way, way back, we can just see individual food trucks yeah. in the middle distance this whole time. And I was just reading them at certain points I was bored. I loved the idea that at a big tough guy biker rally, there was a fresh lemonade stand. That fucking killed me. Yeah, fresh lemonade and I think butterfly fries was the other prominent one. Butterfly fries. There was also steak hamburgers. Yes. Um, But it is funny, like literally the the backdrop for this show is basically the food court in stores. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very funny. Um, huge Eddie chance. Like yeah. that was that was an impression I came away with, and this is like just speaks to something we and many others have said about Eddie. It's like this man could just get over. He could get over in a crypt. Do you know what I mean? Like he could he could get a he could get any crowd popping for him. Like, and he, he, he had Sturge just going big time. Yeah, he's been a face what a month, probably less. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it just it just proves like even in front of a fucking crowd of bikers that have no clue what's going on in the product, Eddie got over. What's interesting is, um, I don't know if you've noticed a thing that particularly on this show was happening, but did you notice that almost to an uncomfortably theatrical level, they were hamming up communicating to you who was the face and who was the heel in these matches? Mm, I didn't notice why. What? Why do you think they're being so? So over the reason behind this, I was again between Bischoff and and reading. Um, there was a lot of fear coming back here a third time after the previous two times. There had been some elements of racism in the crowd. No, I shocked. I know. Oh. Um, so they were particularly afraid with um right, the black wrestlers yeah. and the Latino wrestlers that they would get booed. So what they would do is they would make it extra clear to the crowd, you are supposed to cheer this guy, you're supposed to boo that guy. So hopefully everyone followed the script. Um, Eddie seemed to be one that, he was a babyface anyway, but it didn't even take him coming in and being all like babyface house of fire. Like he was on the apron waiting to come in and, and they were chanting yeah. big time for him. So this guy is just like, again, very few ever like him in the business like he's so good um one thing i will say for a guy who doesn't like to sell that much the first like and maybe it's because of the two fucking anchors he's with um vam spends the first like three minutes here pretty consistently just selling for all three baby faces well i I put that down to he's not gonna fuck with eddie guerrero yeah and if the match was laid out to we're getting our shine early then you can get the heat on us I don't think Vampiro is brave enough to fuck with Aguero. Yeah. What's funny is because of that construction to the psychology psychology of the match, there is an element of the story here where Vampiro has to desperately tag in Shaggy 2-Dope to help. Yeah. I mean, look. I love that idea. A lot of the heat segment is the ICP in the ring. Yeah. And I, I I was fully on will Shaggy 2 Dope's pants fall down again. Watch. They didn't. They didn't. And they didn't seem to be in danger of, but I did notice their jerseys were both quite baggy and t- completely tucked out this time. So you couldn't see Shaggy's belt line to see if his pants fell down. So he could have been poo bearing it for all I know for half this match and I would never find out. So you're basically saying that Schrodinger's pants, we don't know if they were up or down. They were in a quantum superposition. I yeah. could never I could never speculate as to what was happening. 
Uh, Vampiro, like, when he's out on the apron now, he just looks like he's like, um, I'm fucking done with this. I'm not enjoying myself now. Um, Eddie back in the ring with uh, Vamp. One of the things that is, like, it's just such a... He makes it look so simple, but it is one of the most gorgeously executed moves in professional wrestling is Eddie Guerrero's step-up Hurricane Rana. Mm-hmm. So good. Where he has the wrist control. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, it's just so perfect every time. And again, like, he makes it look like it's nothing. That's one of the moves um, you'd always give your, like, your creator wrestler in whatever wrestling game. Yeah. Um, ICP come in to double-team. Shaggy goes up top, gets crotched um, and superplexed. Hot tag to Ray. It's Ray versus Violent J, a main event in any arena. Um, Raven drags out Ray and throws him into the steps. Vampiro spike on the floor, which I thought was very rough. Ray is completely stone dead now. Um, the heat gets uh, put on Ray, worked over very boringly, but like, oh my God. I know it's the only spot you can trust him in not to fuck up, but also how tedious is it to watch a Violent J have the heat and up against all people, Rey Mysterio Jr. Working the knee. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tanae says, and I do believe this to be true. I haven't looked it up, but I very much believe this to be true. That when ICP signed their first record deal, the first thing they bought was a wrestling ring for their back garden. Yeah, and it's probably still the wrestling ring they use for... Uh, JCP. JCP yeah um today also tries to make them sound really cool saying that radio stations these days are too afraid to play the oh, ICP no God. it's that they're dog shit Mike it, this is late 90s American radio there's very little they wouldn't play let me tell you about a guy called Howard Stern <laughs> and the shit that guy was getting away with on, on radio biggest star in the um, world fucking Eminem like yeah a woman, oh my god, there's one woman in the crowd and she is my spirit animal because she just spends a, a concerted period of time giving the ICP absolute shit from the sidelines. You can hear her say things like, Oh, you look like a stupid clown! She's <laughs> so, great, I love her. Um... I, I like I that was the one thing I made out she said, but then you could hear like a constant <laughs> for minutes of this match. Uh, running power slam for Shaggy Two Dope that actually didn't look. Yeah, that it wasn't bad. too bad. Uh, as Raven is trying to give a pep talk to Violent J, like you know, stop being so shit. Um, Ray blocks a corner charge, hits a split legged moonsault, hot tag to Kidman, who hits a pair of extremely stiff drop kicks to the clowns. Uh, and then the match breaks down. Vamp, of all people, of all people on his team, is the one that completely loses place of, as to where he's supposed to be when this match breaks down, which leads to a very awkward spot where he's supposed to be uh, tricked into super kicking Shaggy and he forgets where he's supposed to be standing and has to be almost shoved. I think it's Ray has to shove him into place mm-hmm. to do it. And then he remembers what he's supposed to do. Super kicks Shaggy, shooting star press for the win for the baby faces. This was bad. It was bad, and it gets worse from here, which is unbelievable. When you This was This was, if you can believe it, the second highest rated match on this show. Um, 
it wouldn't be for me. Uh, it is um, now. There are no negative star matches there be. on this show. There are two duds. Um, this match got two and a quarter stars from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Uh, that is extremely generous. Um, next up, we go straight into... Uh, this is one thing I do appreciate about this show. As bad as it was, at least we were getting... Match, match, match. Yeah. Yes. It was nonsense in the ring, but there was very little nonsense in between matches. So I did appreciate that. World Tag Team title match, the triad, Bam Bam Bigelow and Canyon versus the reformed Harlem Heat. Video so, package again. So funny to see a crowd of bikers do the raised roof. Yeah, that is great. Um, this is the first time I've noticed that the, the triad's official music here is a mashup of the Mortis and DDP music. Did they not? I thought it just came out to the Canyon's music. Oh, did they? I thought he did. I thought it was. Oh, because that, that's what he had maybe. the Mortis entrance to do. do, do the, oh, the big yes. Sorry, sorry. I forgot that his thing kicks into it. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. That's my mistake. That's my mistake. It's keeping up with these redubbed WWE. Ah, see, if music. it was the, if it was the DDP redub, I would have noticed. But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um. So, Bam Bam, God, like, just nothing is with him in this, and like, this is another bad showing from him. But the thing that is the most, like, this is a sign from God that you just need to go back to bed, Bam Bam, is that he's halfway down the ramp and his belt pops off his gut. Yeah, he goes to raise his arms and the belt just pops off. It's just like <laughs> The oh. tag team title explodes off his waist. So I'm like, oh, Bam, I feel so bad. And he has a dog shit night. He is just out of place, he's doesn't know where so he bad. is. He just is completely bad. Washed is an understatement here in this match. Um, Canyon gets on the mic the Sturgis crowd rev the engines to drown him out uh, and this is what I mean by trying to head off at the pass I think they were afraid particularly that Harlem Heat would get booed yeah because they, they uh, really played up the Canyon stuff they laid it thick uh, one thing I did not like and it was kind of thumbs down on it because one of these two men absolutely should know better than this no matching gear for Harlem Heat. <laughs> uh, I think the fact that they're not around very long kind of it plays into that. They're around for quite a quite a few months. Oh, are they? They're they're around as a tag team until the new year, my friend. Oh man, I man, yeah. I Mandela affected that they just get together and yeah, break yeah. up again. Because I thought it was short, much shorter as well. But we looked it up, um, and they are teaming up as far, up as far as the end of the year into the new year. I think. Oh God! I could I could be Mandela affecting that, but I'm pretty sure we we looked it up. Man, what a waste um, of Booker! Oh, now this this tag team title run that they're about to go on that doesn't stay around for very long. I'd be surprised if they're champions by the time we get to Thunder. Anyway, uh, they are, but not the following Thunder. <laughs> Fucking great. Fantastic. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, uh, Harlem Heat uh, run wild straight away, clear the ring. Uh, Stevie completely forgets he's supposed to whip Bam Bam for a second, and things get really awkward because Bam Bam just froze. Bam Bam like, was talking a about fucking, a guy who was such a pro. Yeah, he's like a fucking, he's a so experienced and such a great wrestler. And to see him just, yeah. like you say, he did, he just froze on the spot, like, uh, fuck, what? What do we do? Yeah. Uh, some kid in the crowd tells Canyon to get a haircut. 
Uh, Stevie nearly kills Bam Bam Bigelow with a scoop slam. He gets him three quarters of the way up fuck. and nearly dropped him onto the top of his head. I fucking... Th- it was at this point I went, right, this is a mess. Yeah, it was an absolute mess. Uh, it's all all Harlem Heat early on and I was legitimately thought, let me tell is this going to be just a complete squash? Like, is there going to be heat at all? Um, the heels have to go outside and regroup. Uh, Brain, oh, this is so funny. This is like classic continuity WCW because Brain, like some synapses fire in his head from what's been happening the last few months. He's like, hey, the triad used to be with Ric Flair. Charles Robinson is the referee in this match. And then obviously... WCW has decided to completely drop Oh Charles Little Nate. Yeah, thing. he's no longer Little yeah. Nate. Because immediately Tanae and Shoddy obviously have been shouted at down the headset because they're like, uh, well, you know, uh, he's um he's not gonna try that now because he doesn't have Ric Flair to back him up. Uh yeah. And like basically going, uh, please forget what Bobby just said. We're not doing that anymore. Thank you. When it was literally just the past night draw where it was Charles Robinson can't be the referee in this David Fair match. It was so funny how quickly they tried to like get, sweep that. Like, oh, no, we don't want you to remember that right now. Yeah. We don't want you to remember that because this match isn't going to make sense. Uh, Bam Bam is so off the pace. Like I said, he's blown up. He's awkward. He's out of place. And let me tell you that Stevie Ray is not good enough to balance that out in the ring as a dance partner. Um, Hang on. Here, here's one for you. Is Stevie Ray your favorite wrestler that's really, really, really bad? I, I you really love that. Stevie Ray. I just, he is so shit. Like, <laughs> but he's great. But he's shit. But he's great. I always feel bad for burying him because I know how much you enjoy him. Well, it's not so much Stevie Ray the wrestler. It's Stevie Ray, the arguably worst commentator of all time. That I love. Isn't that amazing that he's never got a job in wrestling after WCW? It's not that amazing. Because you, I will ask you if it's still amazing to you by the time we finish oh, the, no, no, this no, podcast. Listen, I know he's going to be dog shit on commentary. But like the fact that his so bad, brother yeah. was Booker T, who's been employed ever since 2001. Yeah. Now, look, if there's ever a company that needs to employ someone to let everyone know what suckers got to know this week, Stevie's your guy. Like, why, uh, why wasn't the MLW giving Stevie a call? Yeah, they called practically anybody else. Like, um, the NWA had Velvet Sky as commentator. Yeah. God, didn't they? I, like, think of the people that have been, like, relatively high up the card in Billy's NWA. Like, Stevie Ray now is probably better than at least a couple of them. Definitely better than Tyrus. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah. I mean, I'm better than Tyrus. Um, I mean, is Trevor Murdoch still NWA champion? No, it's EC3, isn't it? Because he beat Tyrus. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah, because Tyrus yeah. beat Murdoch, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway. So brief heat here. Uh, long chin lock spot. Stevie tries to fight out, but kitchen sink and a headbutt puts him back down. Canyon uses the ropes for a two count. Stevie gets some punches, a slam, misses an elbow drop. Uh, triad tried to go for the uh, the assisted pile driver. Stevie slingshots Canyon into the corner, knocking Bam Bam down. Hot tag and Booker goes absolutely wild. Gets a good reaction from the crowd as well, I will say. Um, goes for the axe kick but gets low bridged. Bam Bam goes to work 
on him on the outside, smashing Booker's head into the rails, then back at the steps. Back in the ring, and Canyon tries to book, put Booker away with a top rope famouser. Uh, doesn't work the first time, goes for it again, but gets powerbombed. Booker tags out, but bundled out of the ring by Bammer at the same time that he tags. The heels gang up on Stevie, who is fighting valiantly, but DDP comes out on the apron. Stevie reverses a whip, bam bonks Paige, missile dropkick from Booker, and Stevie covers for the win. Harlem Heat are your new WCW Tag Team Champions. This was a royal fucking mess. Dog shit. Steve, uh, Booker T deserves so much better than this. Uh, yes, three of uh, or no, two, two like, I guess, Bam Bam doesn't physically have it, but I have enough respect for him that he, I would say, he deserves better. Um, Canyon absolutely, Canyon, Canyon absolutely deserved better, and Booker deserves the world. Like that was one thing that was so fucking grating about listening to the Bischoff thing was Bischoff trying to claim retrospectively that like he knew Booker was like world championship level material. Like, give him the fucking belt, mate. Yeah, you're li- you're you know? literally doing a Hulk Hogan rehash in the fucking yeah. main event. Like, come on, yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, next is our six man tag team match: the Revolution. Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Shane Douglas versus the West Texas Rednecks. Barry Windham, Bobby Duncan Jr. That's right, Windcomb are back, and they've got Kurt Hennig with them this time. Uh, and Kendall Windham on the outside. So does that mean um, that the perfect Windcomb? The perfect Windcomb, yes. Um, what? <laughs> Just... <laughs> Doing the towel throw gimmick with like the oh no Dave, come on <laughs> you went too far I mean just a fully st- just a fully start tissue going uh, flying under the arm <laughs> sink a three pointer with it then <laughs> God <laughs> to get this back on track somewhat. What the, what did you think of the Revolution's conspiracy theme music? Just like fucking generic. <laughs> I feel a bit generic. Fucking X Files background music. Yeah, you'd hear in a fucking Jesse Ventura fucking podcast. Yeah, I also liked how clearly someone fucked up in production. Yes, and the Rednecks came out to rap his crap about. Five seconds after the commentator started talking about the new song, Good Old Boys. I think it's at the, that point, Shivani was like, that's it. I'm not looking at my sheet for the rest of the night. Who cares? It was so funny because, like, it was clearly rap as crap, but they're obviously also switched off that it was only Tanay noticed, and it even took Tanay a few seconds. Yeah, he's like, oh, um, I, I think this is, uh, I, I think it's oh. rap as crap. Yeah, I probably should have said uh, the last match, by the way, one star. Deservedly so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Perry Saturn. Like, I love, right? God bless Perry Saturn. But clearly, Shane Douglas was specifically brought in to be the stick guy for the revolution. So why is Perry Saturn getting on the mic here? Are you going to tell Perry Saturn, though? <laughs> no, I'm not going to tell Perry Saturn, though. Uh, he says he don't, they don't care about the rednecks. They don't care about Chad Brock, but they will start with them no problem. 
uh, in terms of like the first uh, the first team up to the chopping block for the revolution. Um, this is really fucking messy, Lee. There's one of the things I harp on on and off on this show. Um, is the state of agenting in this company? Mm-hmm. Um, it's all over the place. Matches very seldom for the last year tell an actual story. Spot repeat, match I'm, to match. I'm particularly disappointed in these guys because I think one team both should know better and physically can do better. And the other team, even though they're all washed physically, two of them definitely know better. This is just, like, this is the most fucking, like, uh, it's the most repetitive. Everybody just gets in the ring one at a time, does a couple of spots, and then the next person tags in. Mm -hmm. And that's the match for the most part. Duncan hits a stiff boot on Douglas. Wyndham looks like dog shit. Uh, there's one point where he gets fed into a suplex from, I think, Perry Saturn, and he barely goes up for it. It's just happening. The heels are lumbering around. New Revolution Man tags in, does some moves, then a new heel tags in, and we go through the cycle again. I will say the best worker in this whole match is Bobby Heenan, who is doing his level best to get Shane Douglas over. Mm-hmm. He's really putting this guy over. Um, a, Pix- a Pittsburgh plunge attempt is stopped by Hennig. Hennig and Kindle go to work on him uh, outside uh, till Douglas picks him up. And the best way I could put it is, you know that like where you pick up the guy as if you're going to atomic drop him? Um, he does that, but instead of dropping him down on his knee, he runs him directly into the ring post with his arse. Um, <laughs> so he completely arsed him into the ring post. Um, Hennig press slams Douglas off the top to allow Wyndham to get the heat. Uh, oh, that's what I was going to say. Like, and it was that point where I was like, Barry Wyndham and Shane Douglas have been wrestling here for over two minutes of this match. And I'm like, I wonder if at any point anyone is going to draw attention to the fact that Shane Douglas is wrestling a man with considerable history with his arch enemy. Well, also the fact that Barry Windham and Shane Douglas had multiple matches in 1992, both as partners and opponents. Look, Lee, they clearly weren't going to refer to that. (laughs) But I thought at least because Shane Douglas is burying Flair on promos again. Now, we did read in the Observer the other day, currently Flair is on the outs again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe that was just like a bite edict he wasn't going to get mentioned. Um, the crowd completely loses oh, interest in they this. They had less than any fucks to give about anybody in this match. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
the heat is so uninteresting. It's kick punch. It's basic moves. There is no strategy. Like, this is the thing as well that I, I hate about pointless heat. No one is focusing on a limb, a particular person. They're just doing moves because this is the part of the match where we do moves on you. Mm-hmm. There's nothing interested to it. Um, Saturn got a hot tag and this match threatened to break out into an actual match, but Wind- Wyndham cuts that off. And I-, I need to tell you that when that happens, when his comeback get cut- gets cut off, for second straight match, because this is how all tag matches happened, the match breaks down. I have never in all my days heard less of a crowd reaction to a match breaking down. <laughs> yeah, it was real fucking bad. Um, like even like the Rednecks had Kendall on the outside and even like he gets involved. It's like he doesn't know how to use a cowbell. Yeah. It's just like the most basic stuff nobody in this match can seem to do correctly. Even the guys who are good are on completely different pages in this. Um, Cloverleaf is in on Hennig, but Kendall attempts to attack with the cowbell, badly as you say. Uh, There's a schmoz and Perry gets Duncan up. Nearly lost him and his life on uh, the Death Valley driver, but got him anyway because that man is just a big, strong boy. Um, Saturn then in the win after the DVD pops his cowboy hat on. Um... They, oh, what I did, they, they did Perry dirty though, because when they do the slow motion replay, they included the part of the DVD where he nearly dropped him. Yeah. Now, to like, be fair, you couldn't have just clipped two seconds off that. It does look impressive when he just fucking heaves him up anyway. Just powers him up, yeah. yeah. Uh, another terrible match. What did that get in the Observer? It, this might be the lowest rated match that I can recall. Perry Saturn or Dean Malico being in on our run. This got three quarters of one star. And I even feel that's generous. Mm. Like, I'm struggling to see where you get the three quarters from. Yeah. Now, I did say we weren't, uh, to you off the air, we weren't going to talk about news that gets reported in the Observer later this week. But there is something we do have to talk about as we get to our next match. Okay. Buff Bagwell versus The Cat. Right. Do you know... What is significant about this match? Uh, I don't, but go for it. Mere moments before, depending on who you ask, moments, minutes, or just before the show started, these men got in a fist fight. Okay. Backstage, over the finish. Oh, that's this finish. Yeah, yeah, okay. The finish was changed, because I think it was Buff went running to Nash about being unhappy with the finish. Um, Some say the finish was changed, and some say the finish is exactly what it was supposed to be, and Buff had been annoyed that he was going to win the match, but get beaten up and look like an idiot. But these guys basically, yeah, they they got in a big fight backstage. Would you believe it on 83 weeks, Bischoff was bigging up his boy the cat? No. Saying that... He doesn't think it was really much of a skirmish because, I mean, if it is, Ernest clearly would have destroyed him. Because um, I love this. Like, he's so, such a martial arts wanker that he's like, well, there's no way that anybody could withstand a world karate champion. And I always, that I always say, like, I kind of know what you mean because obviously he's a trained martial artist. But also, you're presupposing that the man he's fighting will fight fair. Yes. 
like you can be a world martial arts champion all you want like if, if book ba- if vote bagwell reared back and just hoofed him in the bollocks i think that would be a bit of an equalizer also there's a um, chance that buff gets the first shot in and that's it yeah yeah um so yeah they had their fight and whether the finish was changed or not again it seems to depend on your person uh you ask but yes they managed to it was a bad match but like i i guess credit to them in a way that like they didn't just like walk off that they still came out and had a match this having happened um i this is the first match by the way without a video package and uh deserved i would have to say I didn't want to have to rewatch this feud for any length of time. Um, I will say, again, you try to give credit where credit's due in this company. I had a good laugh at Kat's biker gear as well as Sonny's. I think Sonny looks great with the, the vest with no shirt and the, the leather cap. Yeah. Um, I, I, I we need, need to say... We need to talk about the Kat's gloves. I, we, oh, this is my next point. I think on this night, Ernest Miller was the bravest man in professional wrestling. Yes. Because given that the company was worried about racist backlash, this man came out and I don't think anyone attempted more to antagonize these bikers who had now been drinking heavily for quite some time. dressing like them to lampoon them literally threatening to fight them during his entrance and then revealing as you alluded to lee that he was wearing confederate flag fingerless gloves mm-hmm. fuck me this takes i mean we irish have a very elegant phrase to describe somebody with this kind of bravery uh, neck like a jockey's bollocks <laughs> yes like what percentage of the bikers in around the ring do you think were armed <laughs> That's, I, did, I did write at one point that they were very likely armed these people he was antagonizing like i'd say a good I'll be conservative. Yeah, that's I literally wrote, he's a brave man to do this, antagonizing fans bit on a crowd that are almost definitely armed. Like, I'd be conservative. I'd say 70% of the people in attendance at this show stormed the Capitol. <laughs> I didn't see Jericho's wife there. Actually, she was backstage. <laughs> Out of camera shot, like always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But, like, yeah, like, there was absolutely people in that crowd that had weapons that probably weren't afraid to use them. And Miller, to his credit, like you say, he walks down the ramp. There's a guy he squares up to. And Miller, like, feigns to hit him. The guy doesn't flinch. The guy does not move an inch. I I would have given this man a hefty pay-per-view bonus for this. Just out of sheer fucking respect. I think he's a terrible wrestler. I never want to see him wrestle again. But I saw him do all this and like get in the ring and get on the mic and tell them to shut their stupid mini bikes off. And I was like, 
mate, the fact he made it out of this city in one piece is like my uh, my hat is off to you. Mm-hmm. I also think it's so fucking funny the way they built this feud where Cat is the heel, which means that the defender of bikers worldwide was Buff Daddy. Yes. That's great stuff. He's buff and he's the stuff and he loves his bikes. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a great moment here where, like, it's such a 1999 moment that... So this crowd is, in terms of age profile, is primarily middle-aged. Right? Mm. And it has been middle-aged bikers and their wives who we have seen, or their girlfriends, I don't presume. Possibly Marital status. Possibly both. (laughs) Um, there is one shot... (laughs) Like, clearly Brain has been zombified this whole show. And there is one shot as this match starts where the camera cuts to a very attractive young lady in a bikini in the crowd. And Brain screams, whoa, so loud he nearly blew out his mic. (laughs) It's just like there's this fleeting shot. He just goes, whoa! (laughs) Was it this match or was it, I think it could have been the follow-on match. Where again, you, you... sounded like he was scared of his own erection. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Ah, <laughs> uh, now I remember. <laughs> Sorry, you're you're making a point there about the wrestling. I actually wasn't. There's was another crowd shot. It's either this match or the next match. Um, and again, you see a woman in the bikini, and Tony goes, "Oh, there's my lift home." And Brain just quick as a wick goes, "Oh, the guy with the blue glasses." <laughs> <laughs> and Giovanni's just dead quiet. Uh, Tony, uh, and I think this was Tony being a little bit cheeky, says, "Trust me, these men do not like each other." <laughs> ah, okay, Mister. Now, I had to tip the cap to the Sturgis crowd at this point. Because they begin to chant Pussycat. Yes. That is a good bit. Mm-hmm. And I hope that continues. Um, Maybe a minute or two into this match, Tony screams, oh, this match is really breaking down. They've done nothing. Yep. I, I, look, I, ha- I have is... less than no notes for this match. I called it some smoke and mirrors Butlin's bullshit. Um, I guess for non-UK Ireland listeners, should we explain the phenomenon of Butlin's wrestling? Have, we have before. Yeah, so if you're a new listener to the show, maybe it's like family-friendly spot shows that would pop up at these holiday chain camps. of so- yeah. holiday camps called Butlin's. It's the it's clearly like if you've ever been to a family oriented wrestling show with like no real names on it, you know the thing. It's like all the cheap heat, all the easy, you know, your local sports team sucks is how we get heat and it's all the cheapest tricks in the trade because at a family friendly show that's all you need. You know what I mean? Because you're going to send the kids home happy that way. Uh, and that's what this match was. It was like now these guys have been involved in a fist fight so the fact that they were getting in the ring and actually fucking cooperating with one one another I guess is a minor miracle in and of itself but it is like it's so lazy this this whole show is wall to wall lazy professional wrestling 
I think there's only one match that really tries to be anything more than that, and it's not even that great compared to what they're both men are capable of. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Um, Cat does a foot choke in the corner, hits a standing sidekick. Um, I noticed the injuries to both men during this. Okay. So Cat has like what looks like a mouse under his eye from a punch or something being thrown and hitting him in the face. And Buff's elbow is completely like scratched and fucked up uh, from the fight. Oh, I'll have to go. I'm take... actually go back and check that out now just to see. His elbow is all bloody. The the cat thing is harder to spot, and it's like I kind of almost a certain point I was like, was it just a bit of shadow on his eye or mm. something like that? But it looks like there's a mouse under one of his eyes. Um, and yeah, you el- the elbow, uh, Buff's elbow is blatant like that it's like he hadn't taken anything and it was like all grazed and cut open um so that's that's obviously what's after happening um in fair there's a i wrote in fairness to them they don't really have to do any more than this because inexplicably the crowd is reacting to this and i guess it's because cat riled them up so much that they're just like oh fuck this guy we want to see him get beaten even if it's by the pretty boy um also you know the pace also racism uh the pace of the match is glacial and buff just won with a roll-up i wrote fuck off i just have pointless it's just well like i like what is this achieving for anyone in the company yeah and especially when Again, I'd throw hands over this because it makes no sense that you get the Bayface to have his triumphant thing and then Cat just beats him down afterwards. So, God forbid, must this feud continue? Probably another not. pay-per-view? I hope not. I hope This is one time where I really hope the continuity goes out the window and they just completely forget about this. I did laugh as we transitioned to the next match because there was an, the most American sight possible where they showed a gigantic American flag in the crowd uh, with superimposed images of a motorcycle and an eagle on it. Full rock flag and eagle. I roared. This is great. Ted, like a Ted, um, Ted Nugent fucking concert. Oh, mate. Um, this match, by the way, dud. Yeah. And I cannot argue that. Uh, our next match, the WCW United States heavyweight title. No DQ match. Chris Benoit, Diamond Dallas Page. The video package for this match was pretty decent. I think it made the feud seem like it had been going on longer and was more kind of a big and prominent deal on TV than it actually was. Mm -hmm. It made it feel like they didn't just hot shot the US title onto Benoit a week ago. (laughs) Yeah, there was absolutely no indication that this was the plan up until Nitro. Yeah, yeah. Now it's all, oh, in hindsight. Ha ha ha. Um... Look, let's just talk about it now, Lee. I was tremendously disappointed by this match. I hate, like, I don't say I hate this match. I thought this was real bad. Like, just for the level that we'd expect from these two. Um, what is happening to DDP? Man? I was just going to say, like, for a guy we were so high on. The... And he's good again. He has more good matches before. W- it's not like he's just done now. It's just the last, like, would you say three months? He just seems I mean, as long as the triad has been around, all three guys, like, much as I kind of enjoy the idea of the triad, I think in practice it's bad. Yeah, they just... Because, like... They just don't see... Canyon... Yeah. 
Canyon doesn't wrestle that much anymore, at least as a single, which we really always enjoyed as singles matches. DDP is stuck in this, like, he was one of the best promos in the company, and now he's just doing Stick. big fat ma jokes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like we we've talked about Bam Bam already, and then Benoit comes out here and like, this is a guy who's one of the very few in our lifetime who like, regardless of, if you're his opponent, and regardless of if you're capable of or interested in having a good match, Benoit is gonna drag you to one. But, like, clearly Benoit just... He didn't seem at the races tonight either. Like, there are certain moments where they do some stuff and there's a couple of decent sections of the match. I I think that's the perfect way to describe this match. They do some stuff and it's kind of okay. Yeah. But... It's, It's like if you and I got in a ring and tried to do a Benoit DDP match with no training and it's like we would know the spots that we know these guys hit but we wouldn't know where to put it or how to get an organic Mm -hmm. reaction for it that's what it felt like it felt like two guys like sleepwalking through a cover version of what they're capable of and it was just it just left me kind of hollow there was nothing mechanically no, wrong with it but it just didn't there, there's nothing connect. to sink your teeth into on this match like there's until the finish where the whole story becomes Benoit overcomes the triad there's literally yeah. nothing to this match yeah yeah it's profoundly disappointing for for what we know these guys can do and like they made it no dq it's the least no dq match on the fucking second half of the show every other match on this like for the rest of the show has more elements that you would say would better suit an ODQ match Mm. do you know what like there are certain wrestlers I was having a conversation um, and neither of these wrestlers typically are in this category but it made me think of this style of wrestling Um, myself and Garrett and, and Jack uh we're having this conversation about like who are the greatest wrestlers we've seen in our entire lifetimes. Uh, and a lot of people get, get thrown in the mix. Your Danielsons, your Joes, your AJs, you know, we, we got a lot of Sean's career. So Sean was on the list. We talked about the merits of Jericho being on the list, you know, people like that, where maybe the promos were at a higher level than the matches and, and things like that. But there is like a, a substrata of wrestlers who it's like their body of work is incredible in terms of maybe mechanical output but in terms of genuine crowd reaction you know because when we we, the the, the reason this came up was we were talking about Tanahashi Mm. and the Tanahashi chiefly he transcends the barriers of language and everything like that because Tanahashi when he wrestles makes you feel something oh yeah and these two men, like Benoit and Paige, we have showered with praise for two years on the uh, of WCW and this podcast that their matches made you feel something. You know, we were so behind organic babyface, uh, studied wrestler DDP. Obviously, you don't need to get into talking about the physicality and intensity of a Benoit match. Mm-hmm. 
And here we have these two guys wrestling like every guy you've seen on indie who is mechanically knows exactly what they're doing. They're clearly well trained, but they cannot connect in a way that makes you feel anything. That's what this match was like. It was so uncharacteristic. I was so fucking disappointed with them. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I think that, that these are the kind of guys. That, I, th- I think that's a good way of putting it is there was no, there was no passion from either of them for here. And there was nothing for the fans to kind of engage with because it was literally these two just going through the motions. As you say, yeah. they knew what to do. They knew when to do it. But there was just, there was no feeling to it. Yeah. Yeah, and like I've written down a bunch of kind of like the the spots and stuff, but it's not really. I don't feel a point in like going through. Like the triple Germans were also were obviously cool. Uh, Benoit does a cool wrist controlled backflip reversal of a sidewalk slam attempt that that looked cool. Um. The thing I want to talk about is the finish because I felt the finish was so fucking weird for this. So like the triad one by one comes out and starts interfering, right? And then they do a weird thing because like triad interfering, you wouldn't bat an eyelid at this. And maybe for a second, I had forgotten that Ben was now in a stable as well. But they cut to backstage where the revolution are watching this unfold on a TV screen and they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Now, I think after the bell, the commentators scramble to say, oh, well, the revolution want to do it fairly and they're going to let their men fight their battles. They're not going to sink into the games of interfering in matches like everybody else does around here. But like, what it, I don't know, maybe this is me overanalyzing it, Lee, but what it came off to me as they were watching their man get triple teamed. And even though he overcame it and won, it made the revolution look dumb. And it especially made the triad then look dumb because now one man has easily overwhelmed all three of you. I think the the way to do it was either, yeah, you could have Benoit overwhelm the three of them and still win, but don't also show the revolution watching just not bothering yeah. to help out their mate. I think it was, you, know? you have to do one or the other. Either you see them watching and then they get involved and take out Bam Bam and Canyon, or you just don't show them and you show Benoit overcome them. But like you say, the triad have now lost the tag, t- tag team titles and been beaten one on three in the same night. Yeah. yeah. So they're kind of done. Yeah, it's a it's a very, very bad night for them. Uh, we get Chad Demiani from the website to give away the bike with the ladies of Iron Horse. Um, behind the ladies of Iron Horse, there is a terrifying, perhaps serial killer of a man with a beard staring a hole through everyone with a, an expression that does not change the entire segment. <laughs> Fucking horrifying. Um, they announced the winner and it was very funny because the president of Iron Horse got on the uh, the microphone to deliver the news as to who won and he was the most awkward man alive um, when he was there. But at least the segment didn't outstay its welcome, I guess. Next up, we have your boy, Lee, Sid Vicious uh, versus Sting. Oh, uh, I should... I keep doing this because I'm just like trying to rock it through this show. What do you think this match got? The the last one, DDP and Benoit. 
Two and a half. Three and a quarter. Oof. Extremely yeah, generous. That's not three and a quarter match. Uh, that that's just getting a star rating because it's Benoit DDP. Um. Yeah. Sid comes out. Sid is the first fucking megastar in the show. Like he's the first guy that comes out that feels larger than fucking the rest of this this roster. Yeah. Not just physically. I, 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 as the official Sid correspondent, do you want to take this match? Um, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of spots written down. What I kind of there wasn't a ton of spots in it. Like, I mean, there wasn't. Um, no, even though it was ten minutes long. Was it ten minutes? I actually it's think ten minutes. Yeah, I actually think this was the best match on the show. There was only two matches on the show that were sub ten minutes. All right. Okay. Which is mental. Although a couple of them are almost bang on ten minutes. Um, yeah, I thought this was the best match on the show. To be honest, um, I think they've done a real good job with Sid. After the initial bringing him in with Macho, I think this kind of realignment to the Millennium Man going after Goldberg's streak. Yeah. I'm very much into this run. Um, I mean, look. I mean, it, I mean, I guess it's one of those things where, like, if you're gonna do it, you have to commit and. Even though I think I personally bristle at what was essentially a squash of Sting. Yes. Um. I guess if your idea is to put the rocket on Sid, then I guess doing a shocking dominant win against a Sting is a powerful move in that direction. I, I, it's see, actually committing to beating someone. I think a squash is kind of downplaying how how much shine like Sting got in this match like it was all Sting very early on it was all Sting right yeah. at the finish yeah it's just that I guess the, the element of the squad the element to which it just seemed like overly dominant was Sid just shaking off three Stinger splashes Sid had an answer for everything Sting hit him with that was that's where I think yeah. the squash element comes in um, yeah. like Sting would go for multiple Stinger splashes and he'd missed like the second or third one or Sting would go for a move and Sid would have a counter. Like, he'd go for a, a running stinger splash on the on the mat and Sid would get the knees up or stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I think Sid was made to look really good. Um, yeah. I loved the finish. Like, it literally came out of nowhere, yeah. but I fucking loved it. It was a surprise. Um, yeah. Sting, kind of in control on the comeback, hits two stinger splashes into a corner. He actually hits a superplex, first of all. And Sid stumbles into the corner where Sting gets two Stinger splashes, goes for the third, and Sid just catches him in a choke slam. Boom, that's it. He fucking planted him with the choke slam as well, should that. Um, certainly did. But yeah, I think the crowd literally woke up because the stars arrived for this match. Yeah. Um, both guys got great receptions, I thought. Um, yeah, I'm just very much into this, this, Sid, uh, this Sid push. And I'm looking forward to watching it unfold. Well, I gotta tell you, Uncle Dave disagreed with you. Half a star. What? I don't like. I don't think I. I wasn't as into this match as you were, but I don't think half a star is necessarily fair either. I think they both think worked it was, really it hard. It was too. It, the match was too over and had too fun of a finish to be half a star. I think they worked hard, like considering, like yeah. This field was probably the least pushed of the three involving 
the the warring faction, I suppose you could call them, of Nash, yeah. Steiner, and Sid. Um, mm. And like they even Tony even mentions Sid, Sid and Sting has happened before. That's all he said. It's happened before. Yeah. Um. So we even got some basic WCW lore. Yeah. Um, next up, I want to uh, keep you on lead commentary just for the entrance portion of this match so that you can fulfill your gimmick. That's not uh, a Rick, gimmick. <laughs> Rick Steiner versus Goldberg. And uh, to go over to Crusham Watch uh, with Lee Malone, uh, what's the status of Crusham this week? They're pricks. That's what the status is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we got the Goldberg WWE fucking, not even the good one. They got the fucking WWE version this week. Yeah. That's the most confusing thing. Sometimes it's the WCW one. Sometimes it's the WWE yeah. one. Sometimes it's just fucking Crusham. I genuinely think the people in the WWE music department don't have an ear to tell the difference. They probably don't, actually, yeah. They just have two tracks labeled Goldberg.mp3. I have to say, this was the f- like the most... I don't know whether it was the position of the camera or whatever it was about the sound on this show. Rick Steiner's entrance music has never sounded more like Welcome to the Jungle than it did on this night. Yeah, yeah. Hammed up, especially for those in attendance. There's not really much to say about this. Like, this is like the classic Goldberg five-minute match. Um, There's one bit here that just shows, like, Rick Steiner is just not very good, where both men run the ropes and Rick does this weird spinning arse-first tackle. I don't know what he was trying to do. I think he. I think. Like I think he was trying to knock Goldberg to his ass, and I think he got hit a little bit hard by Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. I will say he does a lot of work at him over with the knee brace as well. Yeah. I. I just want to ask, who in 1999 was asking for a Rick Steiner push? Rick Steiner. <laughs> That's who. And again, like to use your logic from earlier, are you telling Rick Steiner no? He comes to you and says he wants a push. No, but like I know, I know, I get that the Steiners are Nash's mates, and that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. But I mean, come on. Do you know what I'll say at least, though? Do you know what I'll say at least? He didn't win. This is again. I mean, I think this is the second Rick Steiner push we've seen on the run of Thunder. And as soon as he gets to a pushed level where he's coming up against actual guys, he immediately loses. Yeah. That's... So at least there's that. Like now, if he had beaten Sting in the last match, I'd be fucking incensed. What if he used the dogs? Oh god, yeah, mauled them again. Um at least that'd be a callback, which would be very <laughs> rare for this company. Um they, I, we did get my favourite Goldberg non finisher move, the Gorilla Pe- Press Power Slam. That is such a fucking great move. I had to say, again, Goldberg nearly lost Steiner. He had to take a step back into it just to get yeah. him balanced. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, it is really impressive. It was, uh, the match was just fine for what it was. Like, it was nothing special. It was, you know, your Goldberg five-minute match. It's a fairly bulletproof formula, even with someone as awkward as Rick Steiner in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting your high spots, you're getting your entrances, you're getting your finishers. Boom, boom. A hardcore match. Oh, actually, again, the star rating for this was, boom, 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 one quarter star. And yes, a hardcore match it is. What a hardcore match. What a spectacle for the semi-mainly. I know when you remembered, when you were watching this show, you're like, ah, yes, we still have to watch this match. 
two plus hours into this fucking show, you were on the edge of your seat. Uh, it's Randy Savage versus Dennis Rodman. Fuck me. Like, is it's like the last thing you want to see, isn't it? Yeah, it really was. Um, it was like, as, as the show was going on, like you say, you kind of forget that the match was on the show because you're like, oh, fucking Sid and Sting are out. Goldberg, it's like, oh, Grant, main event left, plenty of time. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, they're still Macho Man and fucking Rodman. Yeah. Um, and I guess what, maybe it was, is it, do you think, communication from WCW that they knew this was the death spot and that this match was going to die in its arse and they just sent it out here anyway? No, I think Rodman's contract was main event, whatever, whatever, whatever. And yeah, they could sell it as a co-main event type thing. Yeah. Um. What did you think of Dennis Rodman coming out in his house call? Uh, yeah, it was quite a look, wasn't it? But it's just like Dennis does what Dennis wants. It's maybe the 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 most fun I had with him in this match. It's just like, what the fuck are you wearing, mate? I think now I I think I'm gonna be on an island with this one. Maybe I was delusional by the time we got to this match. I didn't yeah. think this match was anywhere near as bad as it could have been. I can see where you're coming from, because like it was pure. Smoke and mirrors and like fucking Walker Brawl, which we hate. Don't yeah. get me wrong, I do not need to see another Walker Brawl ever again in my life. But I think when you have these two involved, and they were both very obviously gassed by the time they went outside of the ring, um, I just thought they were fucking insane and fucking clobbering each other and hurting each other. And I was just like, yeah, this is pretty fucking fun, actually. In that way, I guess, if you, like, through a very specific lens, you could go, this wasn't as bad as it could have been. And, yeah, like, I mean, at, at the very least, I would give it the credit that it didn't take up nearly as much of my life as that tag team match did on Bash at the Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, which, there were times in there where I was praying for the sweet release of death. Um, this didn't outstay its very brief welcome. Like, like it here, was 11 minutes 30, but... Like it's 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 sub fifteen, so thank God. Is this Rodman's best match? I mean, of the, I mean, we've covered two, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely the best of the two. Yeah. Um, especially because like you're grading it on the curve that Savage is washed, mm-hmm. um, and whereas Hogan is Hogan, you had Page in that match who really should have been able to put together a better match well, and even Hogan like for all his Hoganness, like has the Hogan spots but as as we established like last year or whenever it was when we covered um, DDP absolutely worked down to Hogan's level instead of yeah. getting yeah. The, the others to work up to his level like DDP the, got stuck in like people talk about the Jericho Vortex like it was the Hogan yeah. Vortex there are those wrestlers it's very like there's a there's a good sports analogy in there is that there are sports teams that it can be quite good um but when they play teams that are very bad instead of wiping the floor with them they tend to almost like think they're going to cakewalk it and they end up Mm -hmm. playing down to that team's level like i know for you and i Manchester United were like that for a long time even when we were successful where we'd actually struggle more against the like 
dog the shit bottom teams. of the table yeah, teams yeah. and then breeze through a lot of the matches you think were going to be competitive fixtures. Well, I mean, there, there, um, there's always those teams in the Premier League that will always, no matter what, get a result against the top eight teams and then they'll yeah. come up against fucking Swindon Town in the FA Cup and get fucking destroyed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the, the, the DDP phenomenon at that Bash at the Beach match. And I couldn't, I'm not going to give Randy Savage enough credit that he's doing this, like working down to, I think this is the level he's at now. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what, God bless what, him. What What did you think of, um, what did you think of the match overall then? Like, like I said, I kind of enjoyed it for its level of not being a total fucking shit. Yeah. I think, I mean, my main thought that I came out with this was like, is Dennis Rodman in the bottom five professional athletes trying their hand at wrestling? Like, he is one of the least coordinated human beings I've ever seen in a ring. Oh, he's so gangly. Like, he's just limbs everywhere. Yeah. The full draft on roller skates, and yeah, like the build of the man being a professional basketball player is not ideal for wrestling. But then I look at you want to talk about like a, a giant basketball player in wrestling. Shaq had a better match 20 years later, yeah, that's true. In AEW, <laughs> like that, I, that was smoke and mirrors to fuck, like, but and also involved Brandy Rhodes. It also involved Randy Rhodes and, like, Jade Cargill's first televised match. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there was a lot working against that, and it was substantially better, and they did smoke and mirrors kind of bullshit. But I guess, like, at least you had Cody in there in his physical prime. Uh, actually, um, seeing as seen, seen, you mentioned uh, Jade Cargill, did you see who they're teasing her first feud with? Is it Charlotte? No, she was on NXT oh. last night. Oh, she's on NXT last night because I saw her do this. She's just been doing the thing where she just like her gimmick is I drive up to uh, to events in and get out of outfits yeah. and stare at somebody. Yeah, no, she was. So on she the, had to stare down. It, it, she, I, I can tell you, I would pass away laughing if she just got fed to Charlotte. Oh, she absolutely. She will. won't like. She won't straight away anyway because like they seem to very much know they have like a potential star, but it would have been very funny. Well, you know they're they're doing a Becky Lynch versus Lyra Valkyrie Valkyrie Eva Valkyrie match. Lyra, yeah, Lyra Valkyria, isn't it? No, I think it's, I think it's just Valkyrie now. Could be oh, wrong. It's Valkyrie now. Okay. It could be Valkyria. Who knows? But yeah, they're doing that match next week for the NXT yeah. Women's Title, and yeah. they did like a little backstage segment of Valkyrie ripping up a Becky photo or something. Yeah. And then like, there's a screen in the background that all of a sudden Jade just pops up on, and just starts tapping her watch. Our imaginary watch. Does Jade have like Solomon Crow powers? Uh, maybe. But she wasn't in the car this time, as far as we can tell. Maybe she. Well, she might have been broadcasting live via satellite from the car. Um. So they're either teasing a Becky Lynch Jade match or a Lyra Valkyrie Jade Cargo match. I think it's got to be the latter. Like they're not having Becky put over Jade on NXT. I Surely. Mean, Surely. I mean, who knows? But imagine, like, of all people to have Jade's first match in WWE, it's fucking Eva Valkyrie. That's mental. I will always shout out the fact that she had Hailstorm as her theme song on the Indies. Yes. That's that, that, Mucho's credit for that. We love Hailstorm in this house. Um, 
I guess we got to talk about the match a little bit. Um, like I said, I, I was definitely more down on it than you were. You were very much, I think I was fully broken. Yeah, uh, like I mean, that, talked that, about that's at the start of the show. I was like, this show broke me in a way that WCW hasn't in a long time. So I think I was just mad. Um, I, I think every... I, res- I respect that they knew it was going to be dog shit, so they just threw everything at it. Like, there was four or five yeah. bumps. I, I do think it was funny how much clear time stalling there was in an 11-minute match. Like, how long did the segments of going up and down the ramp take? Well, see, that's what I was going to say. That's a long ramp. Yeah. <laughs> and they took your time going up that ramp. Um, the one thing is, and I hope it was gimmicked, when Rodman um, throws, uh, sorry, Savage throws Rodman into the trash, then he took out a guy who was queuing for the toilet, puts Rodman in the porta cabin and tips it over. Mm-hmm. And you can see chunks start to leak out of the bottom of the porta cabin. And I'm I don't like. Need- one, I hope it was gimmicked, and I, two, I was like, I hope fucking Knoxville patented this because Jackass was airing. God, when did the first Jackass air? It was either ninety nine or two thousand. Had to be ninety nine. And I'm sure, like, I can't. God, it's been since I was a teenager since I've watched CKY. So I wonder if CKY did the Porta Cabin stuff first, and then they could have sued Turner. WCW wasn't smart. It was two thousand. Jackass was two thousand. Really? Yeah. Shit. I can yeah. remember like doing dumb shit like copying Jackass like being younger than 13. I tell you genuinely that new film was like one of my favourite cinema experiences I've had in the last five or six years. Because it was like one of the first big event movies since COVID. Post-COVID, yeah. And it was fine. Like just getting to be around a crowd of people crying, laughing was like really cathartic. Um, um... Yeah, I don't think WCW is smart enough to gimmick a uh, porter cabin. So yeah, I'm going to say it was legit. Actual, actual chunks of shit. Yeah. Doug Dillinger's big dumps. Dump Dillinger. And wouldn't it be such a WCW thing to have a porter potty right by the uh, gorilla position? I would, do, you know what the, no, do you know what the WCW move would be? It, that, but also they're so salty about Rodman complaining publicly about his payday from last year that this is the boys getting back at him. Yeah, that they told him they're going to gimmick the toilet or that it'd be a fresh toilet Possibly. and now he's just got a leg full of shit um, yeah there was like a field of bodies of referees like you say I think it was what four referees got bumped four, four get taken out yeah Um. and yeah he uh, I love that Gorgeous George still has to interfere for Randy Savage to beat Dennis Rodman she comes out with a chain, he clocks Rodman and wins. Uh, I found that match on the whole super hard to pay attention to. It was one of those things where I kept catching myself drifting off or picking up the phone to have mm-hmm. a scroll during. Um, I don't often have those moments. On some of the pre-taped night, uh, thunders, I do find it I'm fighting that urge. Usually on the pay-per-views, I don't have that. So, yeah, I... Look, I was bored stiff by it, but I, I totally get your rationale for why you liked it a bit more than I did. It got uh, a star and a quarter. Yeah, I'd say it's a little bit better than that, but like I say, I'd I'd easily say it's probably the, for me, the second or third most enjoyable match on the show. Hmm. I'd say what wasn't the most enjoyable match of the show. 
And that's the main event. Uh, Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Nash uh, in the retirement, also WCW World Title match. Uh, one thing that I did like, uh, Michael Buffer has never looked more out of place in his goddamn life. Yeah, I was wondering, do you think he got paid extra for going to Sturgis? I would insist on it, whether I was Buffer or not. Because, uh, I mean, that man, there's no hotel in Sturgis that would, you know, be to his standard, yeah. right? Do you think it's like an opt-in, opt-out thing like the WWE Saudi shows? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think they very much just booked the show and were like, right, you're going and that's it. You're going, no matter what but, happens uh, to you. I'd, I'd imagine there had to be like some clause in his contract after the first one where he was like, I am not yeah. going back to that place unless I get X. Do you know what was funny is that like uh, this match... This match is so, like it's such a pox on the concept of wrestling to put these two men together mm-hmm. because there are no men I don't maybe in the history of wrestling who are more content to do fuck all and call it a great match. Um, oh, these two were delighted after this match. They um I wrote three lines into my notes. I don't have that many notes, but I wrote I think about five minutes into the match. All caps. Someone do something i just have this match is really slow everything was like they were doing the hogan pauses like this was getting hogan rock heat yeah it was and it wasn't i had a thought as as i'm watching hogan yeah and i get the whole (laughs) well i mean um i get that the whole thing was the nostalgia and that's what all they had left basically to do with hogan at this point was to yeah, go it was the only nostalgia. yeah, but the, the the two switches that were left to pull by the time he got to WCW were we haven't turned Hogan heel, so they've done that obviously for three years, and then the, literally the last bit of juice you can wring out of him is bring back the uh, the red and yellow. So I get they had to bring back the red and yellow. Hogan really should have just kept the Hollywood tights and just went red and, like you know the way he would in WWE, where you yeah. have the long red and yellow tights. He yeah. really should have had them at this point. He looks ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. He's a ridiculous man. His hair frizz in this uh, oh my Sturgis God. heat. He has gone full Heihachi from Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> and it was within like a minute. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The combination of like the humidity and whatever static electricity was going around. What, what, what did you think of Outrageously uh, funny. After a hardcore match where Macho and Rodman possibly legit, legitimately battered each other, and Hogan gets tossed very gently into the lighting rig and blades. Yeah, it was it was quite funny. Was and did you see? Funny. Did you see little geek mark like that? Obviously, the heat didn't help with the the lack of blood or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the the tiniest little gig mark on his head. Yeah, the yeah. man didn't it's didn't not... even commit to blading properly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like he's not even if it's not happening, he's not like he's not gonna be like Punk who was like trying to decapitate himself under that table in Wembley to get blood against Joe. Uh, uh, he he wasn't gonna harm himself uh, in that way. And you know what? To be fair, like the process of blading is such a psychopathic thing to do that I can't say on this occasion I wouldn't side with Hogan if I was supposed to blade. Um. Has there ever, right, there are a lot of wrestlers 
in history who get tarred with the five moves of doom thing. So Roman currently gets gets mm-hmm. it a bit. Cena obviously got it a lot. The Rock before him. There is nobody in the history of wrestling that that has been a more accurate thing for than Kevin Nash. Yeah, I mean, probably the most... Because even Hogan, even Hogan would occasionally do something like fucking throw a cross arm breaker or something. Yeah, I mean, probably the most true statement Jim Cornette ever made was was an elbow in the corner, choke with the boo, hair flip, sidewalk slam, powerbomb. I know he loves Nash, but it's so true. Like, oh, I love him, but I kind of love him because of, and also in spite of that. Yeah, because you know, I I say this a lot. Never has a wrestler gotten much further with less physical gifts in terms of like wrestling. Like, obviously, his physical gifts in terms of like his his size, his physique, his look absolutely immense but uh in terms of like being less as a wrestler he got further than just about anybody here's um, one for you dave seen as it's uh observer hall of fame time of the year did you know that the outsiders are on the observer ballot they should be in right really like but in terms of like you think about dave's metrics as like legitimately changed the business you know, like they cre- like their jump started the Monday Night Wars in earnest. Mm. Um, like in terms of output, obviously one person in the Outsiders is really carrying the load in terms of their entire careers. But like for most of the Outsiders run was watched. Um, but yeah, you got to like it. Like even Nash said it himself when they got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's like just the fact that they introduce guaranteed money like in terms of changing the business as a whole that you kind of you kind of have to I, I would I would probably put them in oh, okay I probably well, like in that way like I don't think like if you were strict it, it depends on what your metric for the Hall of Fame is if you're strictly a voter based on bell to bell yeah no they don't make it at all because just saying the outsiders disqualifies almost all of Hall's Nash, good work. Yeah, not Hall's good work. Yeah, yeah. It's it's literally that two year span of the original yeah. NWO run. Yeah, it was literally one of the most seismic shifts in the history of North American wrestling, mm-hmm. started by the outsiders. And I know, I mean, I guess it depends on how much you put the Hogan turn. Like how what percentage of the credit goes to outsiders and the Hogan turn? It's hard to say because you know one one wouldn't have been sustained without the other, and the idea for one wouldn't have happened without the other. Um, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. But in terms of like historic wrestling acts from our lifetimes, I'm not going to watch an outsiders comp. But if I'm writing a history book on wrestling since you, I was you, born. You can't write the history of wrestling without the outsiders. Yeah, and that to me is a Hall of Fame metric. Mm. You know what I mean? An important that, that's one. kind of where I'm at with Goldberg. Like, just so little to Goldberg, but 
yeah. I can't talk but about also, American wrestling history without Goldberg. Yeah, and there's also, I, contra, you know, in contrast to the Outsiders, there's loads of those Goldberg squashes I fucking loved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's he hasn't got it belt. Like, it's not fucking Masawa we're talking about here. Mm. But it's fucking... That's fucking Billy G, man. I fucking love a bit of Billy G. <laughs> Billy G. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. This match was dog shit. That was awful. It's so fucking bad. Like, as bad as you think it's going to be, it's somehow worse. It's somehow worse. Because it's the level of... Uh, you kind of alluded to it there a minute ago. It's the level of smugness and how delighted you know they were with it. And, like... I guess you're you're kind of... You're kind of sitting there going... Like I said for one of the matches earlier, it's like they know they don't need to do more than this. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the case of these guys, they couldn't have done more than this. They don't know how to do more than this. They're not that good. I remember at one point we were getting... We were getting spamming of two of the five moves of Doom from Nash a lot. We were doing lots of hair flips and lots of corner chokes. And then I wrote, I was so fed up, I wrote, he throws in a sidewalk slam, the spicy bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He was feeling a bit saucy. Went up to move three. Um, Do you think, like, I get the whole it's a retirement thing, but do you think Nash was kind of like buried with this finish? It's interesting because he's a guy who very much seemed like he wanted to get out of the way of having to job to Hogan, and he ended up having to job to Hogan. He jobbed to Hogan clone. Uh, he jobbed to Hogan cleaner than pretty much anyone else. Like yeah. Hogan kicked out of his finish and then just did the three punches, the big boot, and the leg drop. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that was very disconcerting to me about this match that was so anachronistic, anachronistic, is Heenan was on Hogan's side during this. Yeah, I didn't like that. And is that how much Heenan has now started to give up? That he's not even living the gimmick anymore? Is it just that, yeah, I'm old now and it's whatever? Yeah, because like up until this point, even if Hogan was a baby face, even if Hogan was a baby face um, and Heenan was also a baby face commentator, he hated him. It didn't matter who was a baby face and who was a heel between the pair of them. He hated Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Like, Ric Flair um, could be the most hated man in the world, and Bobby Heenan could be, like, a face-leaning commentator, and he'd still yeah. be like, ah, oh, well, it's Ric Flair. So that felt weird. Um, but yeah, this match was awful. Awful. I really don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I'm just, like... It, it deservedly got a dud from Dave. Um, and it's bad, and there was whoever wins, we lose in this, because neither one of them was actually going to retire. And one of them was going to continue to be in main events as the world champion in the immediate future. So, yeah, that's going to be Hulk Hogan. We're going to try and, yeah. Anyway, Lee, um, do you want to give us your overall thoughts on Road Wild, as surprising as they're going to be to people, and your winners and losers as well while you're at it? Um. As I said, I can't figure out if this is one of the all-time worst WCW pay-per-views or just a really, really bad one. That's, like, yeah. the level of show it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I just think the show fucking sucked straight up. Um, Like, the only winner is, I suppose, Goldberg has done with Rick Steiner, I hope. Um, Sid looked really good, so he's a winner. Yeah. Other than that, I got nothing. Mm. 
Like yeah. I, I, like we talked about Chris Benoit and uh, and DDP was so disappointing to me because I thought that was going to be the oasis of this fucking desert of fucking I think, shit. I, th- I wonder is that where I really my spirit got broken because the one match I always try to cling on to one match on a card when I copy down my notes and I go even if the rest of this is shit that's going to be good and when that wasn't an enjoyable match I'm like oh mm-hmm. I'm getting and, nothing out of this and I think that's what we're going to have to get used to with guys like Eddie and Ray and yeah. Kidman and it's just yeah. no matter if you think a guy is a good wrestler it doesn't matter because WCW is going to wreck it somehow mm-hmm. yeah anyway uh, we had nine matches on this card we felt every fucking minute of it there was six clean finishes inexplicably and Three matches with interference leading to a finish. Um, this was a horrible pay-per-view. And I just want us so badly. I want it for us to just get through these next couple of months to start getting into the fun bad era. Mm-hmm. Because this is just this is just sapping my soul. I, I ain't got no fuel left after this one. But hey, come um, back in two weeks for Thunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to watch two men slide into a nervous breakdown over WCW. We all know we we look for no sympathy on this program. This was all self-inflicted. Uh, all we ask is that you come along for the ride, and if you enjoy our dulcet tones, to give us five euro a month over at largemanappears dot com. It's a very simple and, request. As we like to say, we were warned before we started the show. People like you yeah. won't make it past two shows, yeah, yeah. three shows yeah. tops. We've proved them wrong, and I'm so sorry we have. Um, <laughs> yes, we we hoard your Patreon money to pay for therapist bills uh, when this is all said and done. So um, you're you're very much helping for that. Or if one of us has to be has to move to a funny farm permanently, <laughs> there was Viagra on a pole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, on that note, this has been another edition of Days of Thunder. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all again very soon. Uh, bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me, Dave Ryan. To keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us, you can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the Linktree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes. I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore 713. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts than you can shake a stick at. Thanks. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, 
but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.